This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus joins us over in the Fox Valley and those who are at home and watching us online. Let's together recite the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. It's so good to have you with us and hope you've been having a great Christmas this year. Uh, to remind you all how we do our offerings, uh, if you have a gift that you want to give, you can use the envelopes on the seats in front of you and put uh, your gifts in the buckets on the way out of the service this morning. Or you can give online. A lot of people have done that online. Recurrent giving happens automatically. Or you can use your phone and use the app and give that way. And uh, thank you for your continued support of celebration. We're getting to the end of the year now. This is the last Sunday of the year. I want to encourage you to participate in our annual legacy offering, special gifts that we do for the church at the end of the year, something above and beyond what we normally do. And please, everybody participate. You say, well, I can't give a lot. Then give a little, you know. The important thing is that we all do something. Don't be one of those who comes and just doesn't do anything. Don't be that guy, all right? So make sure you use the legacy envelopes or online. Uh, you can select the legacy offering and contribute to that. And as you just heard on the announcement, the man camp that's coming up uh, first weekend in February, I want to encourage you to come out, guys, and hang out for that. Pastor Keith and I got all signed up this week. We're set, ready to go to be manly men. And uh, <laughs> pretend to be manly men and uh, have a great time. So come on and hang with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, this morning... I want to talk uh, as we get to the end of the year. This is now the uh, second day of Christmas. You know how you hear the song, on the first day of Christmas? A lot of people think that's the countdown to Christmas Day. It is not. That's a misunderstanding. Christmas Day is actually the first day of Christmas. That was yesterday. Now this is the second day. And traditionally, Christmas in the Christian world is celebrated for 
12 days. It's not just the one day. Uh, we'll be pointing that out over the next couple of Sundays as we come through the Christmas season here. Some people actually make it part of their traditions where they have a gift and they spread it out, little gifts through all 12 days. It's just, and it's kind of cool because a lot of people get all excited about the one day and it's over. It's not supposed to be that way. We celebrate this. We're supposed to celebrate for 12 days. So today is the second day of Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. All right, there we go. All right, so now we want to get ready as we go into the new year here, uh, and I'm excited. I think wonderful things are going to happen, and God is not done with us yet, and uh, I'm very excited about it. So in Christianity, we celebrate what God has done. What did he do? We just celebrated it. God sent his son into the world, born in the most humble of circumstances. He lives, he, he grows up. Uh, and he uh, dies on the cross, and God raises him from the dead and then brings salvation to everyone who believes. Those who will put their faith and trust in Jesus can have a salvation experience. Uh, the, Jesus called it being born again. The best way to understand that is every person that is born into the world is born spiritually stillborn. So we are made in the image of God. God is three, yet one. We are the same. We have a soul, our mind, intellect, uh, our soul. Uh, we have our spirit, and we have a body. There are three parts of us, and it makes us the one. We're in the image of God. The problem is because of what Adam and Eve did. Every sin came into the world, and every person is born stillborn. So we are spiritually stillborn. We're alive physically, alive mentally most of us, uh, but uh, dead spiritually. And people can sense it. This is the thing you feel. Something's not quite right. This is the human condition. Everyone anywhere who stops and reflects and thinks inwardly can tell something is missing, something is wrong. It's because that spirit part of them is dead. When you come to Jesus, and you put your faith and your trust in him, he breathes new life into you, and that spirit part of you comes to life. And people have all kinds of ways of describing it, uh, being born again, I saw the light, whatever, you know. Uh, people who don't understand it uh, likely have not experienced it, and they need to. Now, it's not always dramatic. Some people have dramatic experiences when this happens. Others, very small, but it's still, they can tell something happened. Uh, John Wesley, who was one of the greatest preachers in Christendom and uh, was an evangelist uh, in the 1800s who, who was responsible for the salvation of millions of people all over the world, started the Methodist church. Uh, his conversion is, he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. <laughs> that could have been pizza, you know, I would think, but, uh, but he knew something happened. So it doesn't always have to be dramatic, but something happens. Uh, we see that when we sing the Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, there's a line in there that says, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. This is part of the Christian message. A lot of traditional mainline churches have forgotten this. They made Christianity about just make, doing sacraments and doing this and pushing the right buttons and saying the right words, and they think that's, that's all there is to it. No, you can do all those right things and still miss this. You have to be born again. You have to have that encounter, personal encounter with God Amen. through Jesus Christ. That's how we get saved. 
So then what happens? Now, because of what has happened in us, we now need to act out in the right way to honor God. And this is so different than every other religion in the world. Every religion in the world, you have to do the right things. Here's the things. You got to do this, 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 this. Everybody's got to listen. And they all do it in an attempt to connect with God, to touch with God. They're trying to do it. Uh, of course, they can't do it because the Bible teaches us that's not how this happens. There's people who claim the name of Christ who do the same thing. They keep trying to do all the right things, hoping that they'll find God in this way, but they're making a huge mistake. The simplicity of faith is so simple, a lot of people miss it. It's like driving through crivets. There it was, you know. Uh, you you got you to gotta slow down to see crivets. <laughs> we have a cabin up there. I love making fun of them. Anyway, um, so, you know, it's that part of faith. They, 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 they miss it. So what, what they think is if I just keep doing the right thing, then I'll experience God. And of course they can't. Christianity is exactly the opposite. We start out by experiencing God. You do this right and you have the second birth. You have this experience with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Boom! You connect with God right off the bat. And you haven't done anything yet. You may not know anything. Most people get come to faith that they don't know much about anything. Uh, I, when I get, gave my life to Jesus, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about nothing. You know, it takes a while to figure all that. But I don't, we don't have to do these things to connect with God. We do it because we've connected with God. It's the only religion in the world that does this. And it makes us absolutely different. And it's a powerful thing. So because we have experienced God, we need to now do things. We don't do them to make God like us. We do them because God likes us. That's the big difference, all right? So I want to read this uh, the chapter in the Bible. This is in Colossians, the third chapter. Paul's writing to this church in Colossia. And uh, chapter three, verse one. And we're going to go through this. He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. In other words, because this has happened, not trying to make this happen. So critical. I cannot stress strong enough. You don't do these things hoping that you make God like you. God loves you already. But because you come by faith and are born again, since you've been raised with Christ, now we need to do things. And he tells us we need to set our hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Today, I want to talk to you about intentional Christianity. True Christianity, joyous, successful Christianity happens on purpose. It's not an accident. It's not some people are luckier than others. Some are more spiritual than others just randomly. No, people who succeeded this do this on purpose. He tells, goes on and says in, chapter, in verse two, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. This is what happens uh, in baptism. It's like Jesus was buried and raised again. In baptism, we were buried under the water and we were back to life in Christ. That's what it talks about. So it's when you're died and you've been outrisen. When, when Christ, who's, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So he says, put to death, therefore. And remember, whenever you see a therefore, you got to see what it's there for. The point is, because God has done is this, what should we be like? What are we supposed to do? So he says, okay, you don't do this to make God like you. You do this because God is in you now. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Now that's the catch. See, a lot of people are a little stunned. They, 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 
you know, without Jesus, we all tend to do really, really bad things, very, very selfish things, some a lot worse than others, some not all that bad, but it's all the same, same big mess. Uh, and then we come to Christ and we experience faith and we think, this is awesome, this is great. Now, I won't do any more bad things. Nay, nay, <laughs> that's not how this works. Because now that your spirit is alive, your soul is blessed, your mind is being renewed, the Bible says, set your mind on things on, in heaven, not just on earth. And by the way, don't, you can really tell you're bad in, in a bad place if you never think about spiritual things. If from morning to night, day in and day out, all you think about is this world, this stuff, my job, my friends, my people, blah, 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 everything down here, you're going to be... Am I not a Christian? No, you can still be a Christian, but your life's going to really suck. All right? You need, you're suffering from what we call stinking thinking. And I dare say most people suffer from stinking thinking. And then they run to God just when things go wrong. You know, will God help you when things go wrong? Yes. He's a very merciful God. But don't live there, man. What a lousy place to be. Set, start changing your thinking. All right? So our thinking changes. Our spirit's alive. But that old body is still there, all right? That part of you that is capable of terrible things. And don't fool yourself. People always say, well, I'd never do that. Yeah, you would. Given the right circumstance, any of us listening right now are capable of anything. Any horrible thing you can think of, you, my friend, are capable of it. Given the right circumstances and being in the wrong place at the wrong time, Anybody can do anything. That's why we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Keep me from situations that will bring out the worst in me because there's still this sinful flesh that we're still part of. That's why you can't go to heaven with this. As lovely as this may be. All right? It's all got to die. It's the part that's been poisoned beyond redemption. You can be saved. But the body has to die because of sin. It can't make it to the next world. It is utterly hopeless, and we fight it as Christians till the day we die. So he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Money, 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 which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of the. So you got to get rid of it. And it has to be an intentional thing. We intentionally have to deal with it. A lot of people still struggle as a pastor. I still have this problem. I still have this issue or whatever it is. Things I keep falling back into. And they're expecting God to just take it away. But it doesn't say God takes it away. It says you need to get rid of it. You do this intentionally. I've talked to guys who are like, they, they struggle with porn, something you shouldn't talk about, lust and, and sexual immorality. And they struggle with this over and over again. And I, they say, Pastor, I just pray God will take this feeling away from me. That's not how it works. The only way he can take it away from you is to kill you. Okay? And unless you, so you don't want that, you have to do it. Do it. That's where so many people make the mistake. They think the victory, over, the victory over sin is just something that God will do automatically. No, you have to be intentional. You need to be put it away. Do whatever you got to do. And there's all kinds of things that advice. I won't get into all that. I'll deal with that particular issue. But anyway, not only that, he says, but you must now also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, 
malice, slander, saying really bad things about people, and filthy language from your lips. He goes on to say, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And he goes on to say, it doesn't matter who you are. There's, here there's no Gentile, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. So he talks about putting off the old self, the intentional. This is what repentance, what does it mean to repent? You're going one way and you decide, no, I'm going to go the other way. We turn our backs on what we know is wrong and start going towards what is right. Now, it'll still be there. And given the right circumstances, people mess up all the time. Thank God there's forgiveness. The Bible tells us if we sin, ask God to forgive you, set things right. It's what we do every Sunday when we take communion. We'll be doing that in just a minute where we ask God to set things right for us. But it's, you get victory intentionally. And by the way, all of life is intentional. If there's one message I hope all our young people get in their heads is do life on purpose. You want to succeed in life? You do it on purpose. It's not that some people are luckier than other people. It's that they do it on purpose. You want a successful life? Be intentional. Don't just sit back and drift and live in the world of I'd rather be. Or it'll all just turn out what will be, will be. Que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Que sera, sera. Thank you. Some of you know the song. All right. Don't, don't, don't live a que sera, sera life. Be intentional. You want to succeed? Get rid of that icky part of you, and you got to fight it, and be intentional about putting the, oh, the, the, the spiritual part of you. People say, Pastor, how come I don't grow, grow my faith? I don't know. Do you come to church regularly? Yeah, six times a year. You're probably not going to get it. All right? Do you ever pray? Kind of. No, you need to pray. Do you ever read the Bible? No, I'm watching TV. All these things, you want to succeed in life, you have to do the right things intentionally, on purpose. Therefore, he goes on to say, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love this phrase. This whole, put off the old, put on the new. He says, you need to clothe yourselves. You know, all of you here, just wanted to check, have been clothed this morning before you came. And I personally am grateful for that. Thank you. But you don't get up in the morning and say, oh, I wish I had clothes on. I don't know. I, I pray. God, why don't you put on some clothes for me? That's not how it works. You, what does it say? Clothe yourself. Put some clothes on for the love of God. Don't sit around and wait for that to happen all by itself. I wish I was successful. Yeah, then clothe yourself with success. I wish I could do this. I wish I could do this. Uh, I wish I had some money. How, how about stop spending all your money? Get a job. <laughs> Make some money. Live within your means. Life is done intentionally. Don't sit around and think God is going to do that. That's my point. God will do what you cannot do but he will not do what you can. 
And the things we're confused about what we think we can or cannot do. We need to clothe ourselves with these things and be intentional. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness. I wish I was nicer. You can be. Just do it. You don't know my neighbors. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You can do it. Humility, gentleness, patience. Goes on to say, bear with each other and forgive one another. If you have any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I promise you, at some point, somebody's going to tick you off. (laughs) We all have people that tick us off. And I don't like getting ticked off. I wish they wouldn't do that. (laughs) But they do it. And they get mad at you sometimes. You didn't even do anything. They'll beep, rip around you, wave your number one sign at you as you drive by. Just trying to tick you off. People are nasty and mean. Uh, But I promise you, somebody somewhere is going to tick you off. Somebody somewhere in this church is going to make you really, really, really mad. Hopefully not me. (laughs) But it might be me. You never know. Stick around. See what happens. Somebody is going to make you mad. And the worst is secondhand offense. You want to really get someone mad? Make your kid mad. Say something to your kid. That's when parents lose it. And people have lost their minds today. When we grew up, if we got in trouble in school, that was on us, right? I didn't go home and tell my parents. Because <laughs> you deserved it, whatever you get. Today, oh no, someone has to kiss. It's the teacher's fault. Everybody goes crazy. You can't say anything like it. You want people who get really mad in this church, undoubtedly it's because somebody said something to their kid that they didn't mean to say or say, and that's when you'll just lose it. Everybody loses it at some point. You want to get people really mad? Get their friend mad. It's secondhand offense. The people who hear about something that happened to you are always more, more angry than the person it happened to. Did that make any sense? No. Thank you. Let's try this again. Something happens to... to Bob, and you're a friend of Bob, you get way more than mad than Bob was. Because that happened to Bob, how dare that? And Bob's really not even all that mad, but you're really mad now for Bob. Don't do that, all right? Don't go crazy because something happened to somebody else. Beware of secondhand offenses. And even if you have some grievance, what does it say? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them in, together in perfect unity. He goes on to say, we're talking about intentional Christianity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And I love this. The wording here in the Greek is kind of, when it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, it's like the umpire. It's like the umpire. Now, in a game, the referee is not supposed to say anything unless you do something wrong. And if you do something wrong, they're supposed to say anything. Of course, we all watch games and get mad because somebody didn't make a call or we thank God they didn't make a call. (laughs) Packers got away with one last night. Woohoo! You know, they didn't make the call. Uh, Holding, blatant holding. uh, None of us, you know, 80,000 people. We didn't see nothing, you know what I'm saying? But on on the replay, you can see it was blatant, but the refs missed it. Everybody loses it. Here's the thing with refs. They generally just don't say anything unless something goes wrong. And you'll find this in your life. People are waiting for God to tell them everything 
to do. You know, oh, God, tell me this. No, that's not the way it works. Live your life. Do these intentional things. And let the, let the Holy Spirit play umpire in your life. When all of a sudden inside you feel like something's not right, pause, slow down. That's the umpire blowing the whistle. That's the Holy Spirit warning you about a direction you sh- you're thinking you're going to go. Uh, uh, you know, God will speak to everybody in different ways. The most God's ever s- spoken to me is no. <laughs> I'm going to do something. No. And you can just feel it. Don't do it. All right. Let the Holy Spirit rule in your heart. Play the empire. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This is talking about positive attitude. All this stuff happens on purpose. And whatever you do, everybody say whatever. Whatever. You know, a lot of people get all freaked out about the will of God. What's the will of God for my life? What should I do? What should I do? You know what the answer is? Whatever. This really makes people stumble. God is not so concerned about what you do for a living or where you live, or what job you take. He's more concerned about what kind of person you are. You want to do the will of God? What it has just read you is the will of God. This is the kind of person you should be. What you do, whatever. You know, God can deal with whatever you hand him. All right? And, just, and you young people, just make the best choice you can. And, and don't follow your heart. You know, but you hear these famous people, oh, I became a famous singer because I just followed my heart. No, it's because you're really, really talented and everybody else stinks and you're better than everybody else. That's, you always hear famous people talk about how they followed their heart and a whole generation today is trying to follow their hearts. You know, I used to love watching American Idol during the uh, early transition, the, the, the early auditions. You remember these people out saying, and most of them were horrid. And, and they had no idea they were horrid. And they'd get really mad when the judges will tell them they're horrible. And, well, my friends say I sing great. And I'm thinking, you need new friends, man, because you're horrible. And they also, I'm going to follow my heart. You idiot. That's not how you do this, okay? Don't listen. Follow your opportunities. Let God open and close doors for you. The most successful people, there's way more successful people in life that follow their opportunities than follow their hearts, I guarantee you. In fact, there's a lot more people who are failures because they followed their hearts and not their opportunities. So many people I've known in my life, now at 67 years of age, that were chasing something they felt, but they they had no gifting for it, no ability for it. They just got in their heart something they wanted to do. And I get it. We all have choice. You can do whatever you want to do. You want to really succeed? Look for your opportunities. What opportunities are in front of you? Which ones, Pastor? Whatever. Whatever. It says, and whatever you do. And the Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, do with all your heart. Don't get caught up in what things you do every day. Look for the opportunities and do whatever you can to the best of your opportunity, to the best of your ability. People often said to me, you know, Pastor, I'm so glad God told you to come to Green Bay. He didn't tell me that. Pastor, I'm so glad God spoke to you to go help married couples. He didn't tell me that. I'm not that spiritual. I don't hear, Ooh, tuning in to, you know, come in Tokyo, hello Tokyo, and, 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 and find some magic words coming through the sky. You know how God directs me? 
He closes every door and window in my life, opens one door and lights the house on fire. I felt, I find myself motivated suddenly to go out the one door. That's how I got here. That's how I've done anything in my life. Nothing else was working. Even, even the couples thing, you know, nobody wants to go deal with couples usually because it's easier to stick your hand into a hornet's nest. You know what I'm saying? Who would want to do that on purpose? You know, but I did it. I, I remember when Pastor Arnie was the pastor here, we were in a staff meeting one day and he says, anybody want to deal with couples because they're driving me crazy and nobody raised their hands. And I was new and I didn't have much to do. I said, I guess I'll do it. That's how it started. That was a, and I was terrible in the beginning. Oh man, you came to see me early on. You were doomed. Eighty percent of the people I talked to ended up in divorce. <laughs> it was bad. Can you imagine going to a doctor where eighty percent of the people came out dead? You know, that was me. It took a while to get it, but I just did whatever, whatever opportunities. And the biggest change for me. This is a long time ago when I first started doing the couples thing. I decided I don't want to do this anymore because it was really, 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 really hard. I got a phone call. I talked to two different guys. They were both multimillionaires. I'd never met them. Well, the one I'd never met, the other one I did, but he'd never heard me say or speak or present ever. And he flies in his private jet and meets with me. He says, I hear you deal with couples and you're pretty good at it. I said, I guess. He says, if I gave you $4 million, would you try and take this nationally? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was it. No revelation from heaven. I consider that an opportunity. I was following the opportunity. I thought, God, and by the way, $4 million in your personal checking account is a lot of money. $4 million to launch a national ministry is hardly jack squat. We went through it like drunken monkeys. I mean, it was, it was gone pretty fast, but it helped us stay alive long enough to finally start succeeding. But that's how these different opportunities. Do whatever you can. Trust God to open and close doors for you. And uh, don't sit around and wait late. Don't just wait for life to happen for you. Otherwise, life will just happen to you. And there's a big difference. All right. This next year, let us be intentional in our lives as a church, as a people. We get stronger, healthier, better marriages. All this stuff happens on purpose. And it's not easy. If this was easy, it'd be easy. <laughs> it's hard, right? I mean, if my wife would just let me do everything I ever wanted to do without any problems, my life would be a lot easier. Strangely enough, she has different opinions. I'm appalled by that. <laughs> How does this happen? Life is hard. It is. But suck it up, buttercup. It's not supposed to. This isn't heaven. This is passing through till we get to heaven. And we have to deal with all the potential craziness that's in all of us. But thank God for his redeeming grace. 
So at the end of the day, we can succeed more than we fail. We can be blessed more than we're cursed. We can walk in joy instead of sadness. Somebody say amen. All right, so now we're going to take our time for communion. I'm going to ask our ushers to come and get ready to serve uh, at our campus in the, down in the Fox Valley as well as here. The people at home, get whatever you're going to get for your bread and your wine as we get ready to take communion. And as I said earlier, we're going to pray a prayer of forgiveness. We always do this. The Bible says, before you take communion, examine yourself. So let's all bow our heads in a word of prayer as I pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we have sinned against you in any way, thought, word, or deed, by what we've done, by what we've left undone, if we haven't loved you with our whole heart, if we haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, we pray have mercy on us and forgive us of all of our sins. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. And as heads are bowed and people are praying and reflecting right now, maybe you're thinking, you know, I haven't done any of the stuff that you guys are talking about. I've never had this born again experience. You can encounter that and experience that right now. Just in your own words, ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. And you can start your first steps of faith this morning. You can start out by experiencing God not just trying to think about God or hope for God. Amen.